Or by still waters you lead me. You by healing waters you lead me. By healing waters you lead me. By healing waters from you. My eyes are all Uh, there's a way. There's a way <laughs> that'll cost you <laughs> the applause of people. <laughs> But if you go, <laughs> you'll be shown such a thing, such a way that you have never ever thought or considered or known, but it'll be a way that the very shepherd himself is leading, the very presence of fire, the very presence of the comforter will attend you and guide you. If you'll be so bold as to say, yes, I'll follow you and not look to the left or to the right. But I'll follow you. I hear the shepherd calling us, calling us to a unique journey, a unique way. Do that thing. That thing that you see, do that. It's for you to do. It's for you to do. It's for you to do. That's why no one else has done it. It's for you to do it. You do it. Trust you. I thank you for miracles in this house and places of openings where there hasn't been an opening before. I thank you, Father, that impossibilities are making possible. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these graces. Thank you for these places. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for these things. Thank you for singing over us. Thank you for Thank you for the deliverance. Thank you for Thank you for this house. Matthew, I just see it like you're kind of clearing a little bit of a way, but it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit because it's not like it was before. 
won't feel like it was before. It's not supposed to. But I see like this. There's still place for this. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself in us and as us. We so appreciate your presence. Thank you for doing what only you can do in the hearts of people. Us, me. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Let it be done as it is in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know how to land it other than that. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I was uh, impacted this week. Uh, you know, for a few years, we did the lectionary. I, I chose to take this church through lectionary readings, and I stopped about maybe a year and a half ago, but it was some, it's a three-year cycle of scripture readings that are compiled for uh, the church world, and so the world over, y'all can be seated if you want, or just up there or wherever. I love you. You can stay. You've been standing a long time. I'm going to preach for just a minute. I want to impart some things to that, that I believe that the Lord has given me, so I want to give give it um, hallelujah. Yeah, and so I was really committed to the lectionary readings for for those three years. And basically what it is, is it's a reading from the Hebrew scriptures, you know, so what some people would call the Old Testament, but it's really the Hebrew scriptures. And then um, a wisdom text, like so something from the Psalms or like Lamentations or um, Ecclesiastes, those are the wisdom books of the Bible. And then a, a little scripture from the Gospels, so like a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John type thing. And then a scripture from the Epistles, so all the letters written by Paul, Peter, James, those kinds of things. And it's interesting when you like submit to a pre like a text that's already there, I typically like to like sort of be spontaneous and extemporaneous and, you know, preach from my lived experience. And so I've been doing that the last year and a half, but I always felt called to go back to the lectionary text and to see what the church world, like, like mainstream denominations, not charismatic, non-denominational churches, they never heard of the lectionary, amen. You know, but, you know, I'm talking about some, um, you know, some other, how'd you know that? I just love it. Yes, you did. That's awesome. That's exactly what it's called, Rising Hope. Um, that's amazing. Um, and so what I know about the Spirit is that it, you can basically kind of get, you can get there from wherever you are. And so the Lord will use a flower, uh, a sign, a beautiful moment in exchange to, to, to speak to you. I started a book uh, this last week, and it's called um, Hope Rising. Um, and it's Tulsa-based uh, with some PhDs and a JD um, coming together on the science of hope and how it can change your life. 
And do y'all know Amika Naka? Well, he's, he's, isn't he cool? Well, he's in the third chapter. I didn't know he was going to be featured in this book. But it's like names and places and universities and, and, and situations that you'd be familiar with because it's all Oklahoma-based. And then it's science-based in the science of hope. And I was really uh, impacted by it because it's coming on the heels of a book that I was reading about time and our relationship with time called 4,000 Weeks. Time Management for Mortals is the name of the book by by Oliver Berkman, and talking about that the average lifespan is about 4,000 weeks. Wrap your mind around that. But that's only around 80-ish years. So uh, centenarians, is that how you say that word? Folks that live to be 100, help me with the word, cent something, centenarian. Um, they live about 5,200 weeks. So 5,200 weeks if you live to be 100. Now, then if you live about 80, then it's 4,000. So just like kind of think about that in your own head. You have about 4,000 Mondays to get through. You have about 4,000 Fridays. (laughs) 4,000 Sunday mornings. <laughs> and uh, so I'm really on this hope, and what does that mean? Because culturally we use hope more like a wish. Like, I hope you have a good day. I hope your vacation is nice. I hope that you uh, enjoy your anniversary. It's more like a wish because reality is you have no control over how somebody's day is going to go. You have no way of interacting with that unless you stay with them all day long and continually provide them positive feedback and tell them how beautiful they are all day and no matter what comes, they're going to make it. You know, you can help somebody's day, but that's more like a wish. Hope. Sometimes if you were raised in the church, they call it Bible hope. But really, it doesn't, doesn't have to be that. It just is the way that hope is used on a larger scale is this feeling that you have agency, you have ways and pathways to achieve your goals, and that you have the willpower to get there. That's hope. Now, it comes, and it's infused by the spirit of hope, the spirit of God. Absolutely. But when a person, when we talk about people with low hope, they have a a feeling or a perception that their life has no pathway forward. A person with high hope feels that they have agency, options, and power that somehow their life can get better, not just on a wish and a prayer, but because they will actively participate and cooperate with ultimate love to create a better life for themselves. They participate on a level. Um, So I was reading the lectionary text, and so I'm telling you, I am announcing in advance, 
I would like to start doing the lectionary again. And if you want to follow along, you can go to the revisedlectionary.com. Vanderbilt does a nice job of putting everything together. There's daily readings. If you want to get more Bible in your life, that's a good way to do it. Um, but I'm going to be preaching from that. So I had my lens of hope on, and I'm reading the Hebrew text. And it comes from the book of Zechariah. So it'll give you like a little text and then it'll provide some commentary on it. That's the book that I'm reading from when I'm talking about the lectionary. So you can imagine me. I have hope on the mind, hope on the brain. I'm like, okay, and I've got time on the brain. I'm thinking about my relationship with time and with hope. And how, do, how does this feel to me to think that I have a part to play in my future um, and that agency, way power, and willpower are important parts of having hope and and just how much time do we have and how can it matter how can we make meaning out of the 4,000 4,500 weeks that we have to experience this life and how much of a person of hope do I want to be? So I'm reading this. Uh, the first uh, selection is Zechariah 9, 9 through 12. And I'll just read it to you. And since I forgot my glasses, we'll just do it like this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free. Notice the word prisoners. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. I read this pericope and was unmoved, just about like you are right now. Uh, generally unmoved and like going, okay, part of this sounds familiar to me. Your king shall come humbly riding on a donkey. Remember that? Remember, you know, around, um, thank you, around Palm Sunday, your king. Thank you, Jess. That's awesome, uh, knowing the Bible. Um, and so, so I, was, I read it and I was unmoved. Then I go back and I read it again. And this phrase stands out to me. It says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. I missed it the first time. I missed that word completely. And you think I would see it because I'm looking for hope. You prisoners of hope. Now, the people of Israel have been through a time and time and time again. They are oppressed, they are captivated, they are sent out, they are exiled. They are the lowliest of all people. They are not at the top of the hierarchy. They are dominated over. This is a people that is, there are prisoners really by dominant systems, by an empire. They're the lowest of the Roman Empire. 
The Jewish folks did have no authority. They had no power. They were told where to go, where to be, where to go, and they were controlled over. They didn't have any agency. And remember, one of the first key components of hope is agency. That you feel you have mobility, that you feel you have choices. This is a people who do not have choices. They do not have agency. They do not have authority over their own lives. And here we see the writer in Zechariah, so many thousands of years ago, they he takes this turn of phrase and says, I will set your prisoners free. And then in two sentences calls them prisoners of hope. I was fascinated by this because I wondered what it would be like if we were a people that were so bound to a good belief, bound to the good one, that our level and sense of hope felt more like we were in prison to a good and positive life. That it's like you can't even open the doors because I'm so bound to this belief. I'm a prisoner of it. I'm a prisoner to hope. I think so many of our lived experiences that when things get hard, disappointing, traumatic, we tend to fly open, you know, open the doors of hope and we abandon hope. And this is suggesting this idea and this imagery. I don't know if I'm getting it over enough, but it's like you're a prisoner to this. Like you can't, you can't go anywhere else. Like this is where I stay. This is where I'm kept, is in hope. <laughs> Prisoners of hope. One of the basic ideas of a person with high hope is that they believe we can get there from here. That no matter where I am, I believe that hope will find a way. I was telling you that we live our lives about, you know, it's about 4,500 weeks, perhaps. Well, the late British philosopher, this is fascinating, Brian McGee, liked to make the following, bless you, point about humanity, time, and significance, a point of perspective for us. Human civilization is about 6,000 years old. And we are in the habit of thinking that this is a staggeringly long time, a vast duration across which empires rose and fell and historical periods to which we give labels such as classic antiquity or the Middle Ages. But now consider the matter in a different way. In every generation, even back when life expectancy was much shorter than it is today, there were always at least a few people who lived to the age of 100. And when each of these people was born, there must have been a few other people alive at the time who had already reached the age of 100 themselves. So it's possible to visualize a chain of centenarian lifespans stretching all the way back through history with no spaces in between them. Specific people who really lived in each of whom we could name if only the historical record were good enough. Now, imagine this. By this measure, the golden age of the Egyptian pharaohs 
an era that strikes most of us as an impossibly remote from, from our own so long ago, took place only 35 lifetimes ago. 35 real people ago, if each of them lived to 100. Listen to this. Jesus was born about 20 lifetimes ago. 20. And the Renaissance happened at seven lifetimes back. Five lifetimes ago, Henry VIII sat on the English throne. And then, more staggering, the number of lives you need in order to, spend the, to span the whole of civilization, if you're thinking about 6,000 years, it would be what? 60. Isn't that a fascinating thought experiment? I mean, 60 is about how many people are in here right now. Maybe a little less. As I was considering this, Human history hasn't unfolded glacially, but more like in the blink of an eye. And our little lives, as the scripture said, are like a little vapor. They're just here for a moment. And as I considered hope, and hope being the single best predictor of well-being, in every published hope study, it's what we do as practitioners, as pastors, as coaches, as teachers, as mentors, as leaders, we inspire hope. We are hope merchants. But not to blow smoke up ones behind, but real measurable scientific hope. I want us to think about it this way, and then I will let you go, I think. Think of goals, agency, and pathway as a minivan. For those with kids and grandkids, we all know the journey to load everything in the minivan. It's amazing to me how y'all make it with all your kids. I don't know how you guys do it, but I have mad respect for everybody that loads them up and gets here. <laughs> it is the minivan to hope. Goals are the destination for your journey. This could be a short or complex cross-country journey if you want to go visit friends or family. There are numerous routes. Like any journey, your goal requires a map. They can provide the detailed pathways of the many different roads that lead you to your goals. Like life, some pathways lead directly to the goal, whereas others are perhaps more complicated. How many times have we achieved our goals only to look back and go, there was an easier way? <laughs> I could have done this easier. <laughs> Sometimes people don't have a map to help them choose the correct pathways to their goals when they get lost. Agency is the engine in the van you use to navigate your pathways. Agency requires you to continuously stay tuned and replenish when, the run, when you run low on fuel. We have to replenish the gas, our agency, so our van can continue to journey toward our goals. We use the analogy of a van because we often have to carry our daily burdens on our journey. I want you to listen to me, house church. In real life, these are screaming children. 
or a van full of friends talking and catching up. But in the analogy of minivan as hope, there are a lot of things. Our burdens, our traumas can also be part of the passengers in our van. They can be the attention-robbing force of trauma. They can also be the physical and mental health challenges that each one of us face, all being passengers in our van of hope. As people with high hope, we have learned strategies to put most of these burdens in the back of the van, and we've done all kinds of exercises, and all my practitioners in here would affirm that there are all kinds of ways to process the traumas and the things that have happened to us in our lives so that the, the very disappointing losses and traumas are not in the driver's seat of the minivan. They're still a part of our story, but they're not screaming and yelling all the time in our ear for our attention. The more we process, the more we communicate our traumas, our pains, our disappointments, our losses, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to heal and to comfort us, to get with good people, to participate with others and to feel that sense of belonging. We can then increase our sense of agency, way power, and willpower. That sense that life can get better. I can have a different outcome. I can experience something different in my life. And basically, that is what, I, I'm not going to keep you any longer. We're going to do our interactive worship. I just wanted to start us on that journey with the lectionary that even in a text as old as Zechariah, I found hope. I found a phrase that I thought was too cool to pass up. Prisoners of hope. Let us think about that as we go through our week this week, thinking about how we might impart hope and a sense of agency, way, power, and willpower. Isn't that cool, those three things? Agency, way, power, and willpower. Just a way to get there, pathways to get there, and the power to continue on your goals. If you have someone good in your life, a good friend, a good support system, we can keep on our pathways and achieve our goals. Would you stand with me? And I know that someone has already gone to get the children to join us for, for communion. This is the point in the service where we have communion. Some part of the band can, can come and make it sound more holy in here by having music play. That was a joke. You guys, 